Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time here, my name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. And we have quite the show for you today. First off, mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about Netflix reaching new lows with a pseudo romantic documentary about a man and an octopus. Not even kidding. Then our rainbows political, apparently based on all the stories that are coming out. Yes, yes, they are. And finally, the Breonna Taylor verdict recently came out and the people in Louisville, Kentucky, as well as Black Lives Matter activists everywhere are really not pleased about it. So to start us, start us off on this show, we talk about a lot of crazy stories, right? And, you know, people send us stuff that they want us to cover. And it's always interesting to yes. me, at least, seeing what kind of stories they send our way because it kind of... It gives you an impression of what they think your interests are or, yeah. you know, what they think your show is like. That is a good point. And with like uh, someone from The Blaze sent us this story and I don't I don't even know what to think of ourselves or Ricky anymore. I mean, yeah, this, I don't know, Ricky. What was that? Yeah, I was happier before I knew this was a thing. But yeah, on, it was a tough one to watch. That's for sure. Yeah. On Netflix, there is a. I guess a documentary. It's about an hour and 40 minutes. We watched all of it, or at least you claim to have watched it. I watched, watched it. all of it. Yeah, yes. we watched all of it. And it, it tells the story of a man forming a very intimate relationship with an octopus. Is this relationship sexual? Not explicitly so, but I mean, watching it, you it definitely makes you uncomfortable. I definitely get the sense that this guy is too familiar with this octopus for both of their own goods. Uh, we have a clip of the trailer, so you can take a look at that. It's a hard thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very unusual. There's something to learn here. What she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. That's a huge difference. So this documentary, amazing art or just pretty good art? Sundance Award winner in the future, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Netflix is on a hot streak recently, but I don't think this was quite Cutie's level. Like Cutie's level is kind of yeah. hard to top. Outside of being like, like just straight child pornography. Yeah. Uh, good stuff to, to mention at the top of a show for advertisers. Thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, it was hard to top cuties. But this one, it was also a very strange documentary. Now, we're about to get into a Twitter thread that, that definitely expounds on the more provocative side of the documentary, I guess. The relationship um, between the octopus and the man. Yeah. Now, this, I don't know if I saw exactly what she was seeing, but I think she's got a very particular lens and- uh, Yeah, I mean, this we have someone here who is very sure that this guy like canoodled this octopus. I also am pretty sure they, they were a bit too familiar with each other. But before we even get into that, I just want to say, this movie is just, even from a production value standpoint, it's not good, right? I mean, it, the whole thing was pretty much filmed with this guy's own little camera and then cut together, like just from, forgetting the whole pseudo bestiality relationship with the octopus from a general quality standpoint netflix really is just letting whatever on right they're mm. really just no quality control there i guess like i mean if if i shoot a a movie in my backyard can that be streaming on netflix there's actually a really poorly produced uh, Bigfoot documentary as well. And I just, I wonder who is in charge at Netflix of deciding the, what the, shows get on here. The rule for Bigfoot stuff, though, is you can never use a good camera. Yeah, but it's like, not, it's like, not just the the shots of Bigfoot that are bad. It's like 
all of the movie was filmed with an iPhone, not even like a later one, but like an iPhone 3G. It's I respect terrible. that personally. And that might be like a larger artistic commentary. Yeah, than this, the at least. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so the reason why this film doc i don't even know what to call it abomination was getting so much attention in the first place is because as you would expect there is a twitter leftist out there defending it and calling it amazing art and i feel like no matter how degenerate a film or book or piece of art whatever it may be somewhere out there on twitter there is a a left-wing activist with a sizable following saying that it is profound and amazing and we must protect this amazing piece of work so for my octopus teacher which i don't even know if i mentioned is the name of the film we're talking about that person is sophie lewis so she tweeted out well i watched my octopus teacher on netflix a flawed but moving documentary about a straight man who has a life-changing erotic relationship with a female octopus i cried then read out loud to my friend the entirety of amaya renivison's 2017 essay so obviously butchered that name But, um, yeah, I don't, I I would qualify maybe personally the relationship as erotic because I feel like he probably went further with this octopus than we saw in the documentary. What do you think? The blooper's reel is like... uh, It's X-rated. It's X-rated? Yeah, Yeah. it's X-rated. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, the guy was like very weird with that octopus. There's no doubt about that. But I do have to say, okay, this this is where I'll slightly defend the documentary. I watch a lot of animal documentaries and I'm like, this guy filmed basically an entire octopus's life end to end. That's pretty cool. O- octopuses are pretty cool. I like octopuses. I like, yeah, I don't know what to say. So I like that part of it. But then there's the part where he's like. He's fondling it. There are very yeah. intimate shots of it like yes. on his skin. And- yes, that's, at, but, but also what killed me even more than that, which is like, okay, maybe that's a base perversion of his, which is like disgusting but even worse is like when they would have a close-up of him and he's like about to cry whenever he's talking about the octopus it's like dude that's even worse you're like emotionally Uh, invested in this like octopus and he also throughout the uh throughout the documentary he refers to the octopus as a she yes it's like eventually the octopus lays eggs but for the first like year you didn't know that you can't tell like you don't know this octopus is a female i don't know that i don't know that you don't know that i'm pretty sure this guy doesn't know that I don't know. Anyways, the the point is that he, yeah, he gets weirdly emotionally invested in this octopus, which, you know, you might think would be like typical of some kind of like hermit on the sea or something like that. But this guy has a wife and kid. Yeah. Which made this very, very strange to me. The um, whole thing was strange. Like we've, we've covered a lot of stories about perverts on this yes. show. I'm just going to call it like it is. I can spot them now. I think with pretty good accuracy, this guy for sure. For sure. Like, I know. I just know it. But um, what's, like, really crazy is that in this Twitter thread, that essay this person mentions is also about eroticizing octopuses. Octopi. Octopuses? I don't, I don't know. know. The, I don't know the plural of it, but... Um, and it's yeah. just, why is this a... Th- like, why is this even a thing? I don't understand. It, it feels like every depraved thought you could possibly have somewhere out there, yeah, there's probably some sort of academic essay about it and its merits so here we have some screenshots from the documentary just to give you an idea of how weird it is so the the person narrating is the guy who forms the relationship with the octopus he asks what goes through her mind what's she thinking does she dream if she dreams what does she dream about i mean is this like 
was this some sort of midlife crisis breakdown this guy just happened oh, to I think so film? but I think he's kind of openly at the start of the video he's like I was basically going through a midlife crisis yeah. is what he was kind of saying um, and so I got romantic with an octopus yeah then this thread goes to talk about the essay which is also strangely about octopus octopuses octopi uh but before we get to that i do want to tell you all about our amazing sponsor bowl and branch so what do millions of americans and three former u.s presidents have in common they all agree that bowl and branch sheets are the softest and most comfortable pure organic cotton sheets on earth so bowl and branch cotton is rain-fed pesticide-free and carries the highest organic certification that is why it is so soft because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of bowl and branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship it's quite Quality, you can feel the moment you open the box we have our own set and trust me guys it's like it's like sleeping on a teddy bear these sheets are so soft but also breathable and what i love about bowl and branch on top of that is they're also a business that was started by a family and they're actually a business that tries to as much as they can like implement fair business practices which mm -hmm. we don't see enough of so they also sell direct to you bowl and branch sheets start at just 160 dollars they're thousand dollar quality sheets for a fraction of the price plus you can sleep on them for a month risk-free right now you will get $50 off any sheet at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code chen that's spelled b-o-l-l and branch.com with the promo code chen for $50 off bowlandbranch.com promo code chen restrictions may apply see bowlandbranch.com for details and guys once you start kind of investing in really really good sheets you're not going to be able to go back i swear and you spend like a yeah. third of your life in your sheets so it's, it's worth spending a little money to make to make sure you got the best ones possible all right so back to uh back to octopus eroticism so this person takes a quote from the author srinivasan the octopus threatens boundaries their intelligence is like ours and utterly unlike ours octopuses are the closest we can come on earth to knowing what it might be like to encounter intelligent aliens i don't know where you're getting that from like how is an octopus more alien than like a dog or a dolphin is it because they're weirder? Yeah, there's probably something to that. They're further from us. They're not mammalian. They're they're technically mollusks, right? So, I don't know. There's an argument for that. I like like listen. I'm an octopus proponent. I'm here to defend he really the octopus. Is. He's he's gone off about octopuses before. It's like, true. Yeah. I do like I do like them. They're fascinating animals. They're very intelligent. I also I don't know like them. They're a lot is... chewier than squid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does like to eat them, but. Um, well, that's also one of the things that I found was so interesting about this guy's decision to form a romantic relationship with an octopus, among other things. It's yeah, like, just that phrase. Str strategically, it's like, dude, it's like two to three years yeah. of life. You're setting yourself up for a It's like, what's man. going on, man? Yeah. You, know, you know what's going on? I was actually, there's a point in the, in the video at the end of it where um, the octopus mates. At, yeah. which, at which point the octopus, well, both octopus will die. Um, I didn't know that the boy died as well. Yeah, well, typically he has to like rip off a piece of himself to to fertilize the eggs, so he dies, hmm. um, and she dies too. Um, but so I, I thought he was getting gonna, a little little science lesson here. I, I thought that he was going to be like jealous, jealous of the boy octopus. <laughs> yeah. I know, I thought so too. I really did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's to the level that of weird that this thing was. Now, it wasn't overtly like this wasn't like cuties in the sense. This wasn't like overt bestiality no but it's kind of like you know they, they say with pornography it's hard to define but you know it when you see it yeah. i feel like this is on those grounds like it's not overtly or explicitly sexual what he does with the octopus but you know just from looking at it like hey man 
shouldn't be doing this with an octopus. That's, that's all I'll say. This thread continues, the octopus's body is itself a thinking thing. And then Sophie comments, implicit for me in this essay, full of disgusted quotes from bros like Aristotle and Victor Hugo reacting somatophobically, whatever that means, to the bodies of octopuses is the intrinsic queerness of octopus epistemology come embodiment. I, I don't- this is, a, this, is, this is what has devolved from the continental school of philosophy. Yeah, I Thank feel you. like if you're looking at an octopus and you're thinking these things, that's on you. I've not once- yeah. Yeah. Not once when I was looking at an octopus. No. Not once. Oh, this is really uncomfortable. Folds, radii, openness, penetrability. The gynophobia of Hugo's take on octopi was particularly clear to me on reading this piece because I happened also to finally watch Eggers' 2019 maritime horror, The Lighthouse, with its mermaid vulva, tentacles, etc. So this person, I think, is just obsessed and is projecting. I'm, I'm gonna look at their, yeah, okay, so they have degenerate right in their bio. I guess she at least calls it, you know, like it is. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, there's no hiding it. No, and there's also some like really disturbing images as you can see uh, of people doing things with No, but my octopi. favorite one is this, this one right here. Watching my octopus teacher as a trio of acid tripping queers, it made us hoot with laughter when your straight lover diver first encounters what to us is so obviously a logic of femme excess and reports back in total perplexity. What is she doing? Duh, this is a queer slut from outer space. See, maybe I'm just not enlightened enough. I thought the octopus was protecting herself with shells that, from predators. Like that's what I would have thought, but I mean- It's female excess. This just tells you though, like, like to me, what you can expect from a lot of these left-wing people pushing this the kind of sexual liberation stuff. A, a trio of acid tripping queers, they look at an octopus and they see- uh, A space slut. A space slot. Yeah. It's like, uh, we can't share territory. I'm sorry. You have to leave. Yeah. That's 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 what I read. I, I every, everything about this is so far gone from nature. And they they were in the previous tweets. They're bringing up names like Aristotle. It's like, don't you dare. <laughs> like, don't you dare. Yeah. You have nothing to do with any of this stuff. You're not in the realm of logic, and you're not in the realm of even philosophy. Please no, leave. For sure. And I mean, with this, obviously, Netflix is a really hot topic of conversation right now because of cuties yeah. so many people are canceling and i feel like i mean you know you could say oh netflix is just a, a platform they really just curate films but it's like i don't see any far right stuff on netflix right it's not even like far right they don't even have the red pill on there or the rise of jordan peterson or hoaxed or you know any number of more right-leaning documentaries or center right even or no yeah. documentaries by lauren southern on there it feels like anytime there's a, an outrageous film on netflix it all it always skews a certain way mm -hmm. and you know, we know, we know what's up by now, the people who are in charge of this. And it's just, it's so disappointing. I, I don't understand. Like how, how easy is it to be on Netflix if you have some perverted idea? Apparently very, because this got on. But anyway, next up, let us talk about, I guess, the rainbow symbol of gay pride so, and also a sign that God will not flood the earth again. Yeah, yeah honestly, I got to kind of just give a shout out to leprechauns who have lost uh the rainbow yeah you know because that true. kind of was like their thing like at the end of the mm -hmm. rainbow you get your pot of gold no now that belongs, that to, the belongs gays. to the gays you have yeah. been conquered 
Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, so we have two stories that kind of relate to how the rainbow flag in and of itself has become a political statement. So this is someone that someone actually sent to me through email. Thank you, by the way. It's from PJ Media. Don't want to wear an LGBT pride emblem. You're fired. So the article reads, quote, last week, the Equal em Employment Opportunity Commission filed a lawsuit against the Kroger Company after a grocery store in Little Rock, Arkansas, fired two Christian women who requested a religious accommodation when required to wear a rainbow-colored heart emblem on an apron. These women claimed that the emblem endorsed LGBTQ values and that wearing it would violate their religious beliefs. This did not happen in a deep blue bastion like New York City or Seattle. It didn't happen in Portland or Los Angeles. It happened in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, okay, so I have questions. Number one, why is Kroger even making their employees wear pride flags? Like, I hate this brand of rainbow corporatism. It drives me crazy. Yeah, well, it's tough because we are in this. It's like it's not overtly a pride flag. It's a heart shape. We, we know what it know. is, but we're going to play this game like yeah. as if we don't know what it is. Oh, yeah. it's just a, a colored heart. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you're right. It is It is something that Kroger's doing. I think it's politically active. I think but, that the rainbow has become a sign of uh, political activity. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, frankly, I've actually been noticing in COVID it's kind of it was also kind of co-opted as like the rainbow like we'll we'll all be okay yeah at least here in Canada you see rainbows all over the place ça va bien les. Yeah. yeah um and I but I think it's I've seen it pretty much universally across the place and I can't help but also think of the connections to the LGBT and Movement, and, yeah. and that they are kind of using like co-opting it there. but I, I feel like there are people out there who are going to say well it's not necessarily related to gay pride like you're reaching those yeah. are the same people who anytime they see a clown emoji or like the okay sign see white supremacists yeah, like, right. could you imagine someone comes in with like an 88 tattooed mm. onto their forehead and you're just like no what it's just the number 88 like what are you why are you freaking out about it it's, that doesn't mean anything like you, then, come on we, we all know what what's up article continues according to the eeoc lawsuit the kroger location implemented a new dress code which included an apron depicting a rainbow colored heart emblem on the bib of the apron these women believe the emblem endorsed lgbtq values and that wearing it would violate their religious beliefs the women came forward with proactive solutions one woman offered to wear the apron with the emblem covered and the other offered to wear a different apron without the emblem kroger however made no attempt to accommodate their request okay so this just sounds like it's almost like a, a purity cleansing thing here like mm -hmm. a, a pin in and of itself i wouldn't think would be a big deal as part of a dress code and it feels like they were being purposefully almost not flexible with these women yeah i mean it, it's another tough situation because you're gonna have some states and some right-leaning conservatives that will say the employer has the ability to fire whoever they want at will you know, uh, well, the thing is, like, in, in theory, yeah, but I'm at least at the point in the culture war thing where I am not willing to give companies, really anybody on a cultural level, um, privileges or treatment that they would not reciprocate. Yeah. Right. Um, I just I, I'm past that. Right. And it's tired it, of the high ground. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I definitely can relate to that at this point. I think that yeah, like we need to we need to admit that whenever we do that, we're just signing up for losing. Exactly. No, and we, at, we at are. At some level, you have to. It's almost morally like uh, necessary to be Machiavellian about it and say, if we don't actually hold our ground, stand our ground properly here, uh, the future of our country is in peril. Right, and especially, I mean, this isn't like 
the equivalent of playing dirty or anything the the law as it's written now provides for you know first amendment rights which yeah. you know requiring someone to wear something against their religious value like that does violate that so as long as other people like you know muslims at like uh what you call it corner stores i've seen like not wanting to handle alcohol and stuff like as long as other people are doing it i i think christians need to be able to say all right well don't overlook us i'm tired of christians being the exemption or just having to say oh no your rights don't matter your beliefs don't matter everyone else is speaking up about theirs why shouldn't we when the women still refused to wear the apron with the emblem visible the eeoc charged kroger retaliated against them by disciplining and ultimately discharging them the lawsuit claims that this retaliation violates title 7 of the civil rights act of 1964. so whether this is going to go through in in favor of the two employees i'm not sure i don't know if we've had anything kind of similar to this i don't know i'm not a lawyer honestly and i'm yeah. I'm, I'm also canadian in case you didn't know so i don't i don't know the ins and out of american law there mm. i i think it probably depends on the state that they're in is what i would imagine well first amendment stuff relates to federal law right the constitution so i mean with the thing with the baker it, it kind of went all the way yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm i'm not sure i guess we'll we'll wait and see but we also have a, another story of the rainbow flag being kind of banned from an area we're gonna read that first though Let's talk about fast-growing trees, a new sponsor that we're very happy to have. So skip the big box stores and head to fastgrowingtrees.com, the world's largest online nursery, tree nursery that is. No more waiting in lines, messy cars, and digging through a lackluster selection. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, and plants, expertly curated to thrive in your area and deliver to your door in one to two days. If you go to their site, it's really cool. Uh, they have a map that shows what type of climate your state or city is in, and you can actually see based on that what type of trees would grow where you live. So whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just added color for your yard, Every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth come spring. And it's really cool to actually have specially um, like curated condo appropriate trees so you can keep them inside if you don't have a large yard. Liam and I are still kind of going back and forth over what type of tree we would like to art, uh, yeah, order. Yeah, we have a disagreement here for sure. I want a fruit tree. She, she immediately started thinking about like how the dog would look cute if it ate from a fruit tree. I mean, that would be adorable. And we have little and tomatoes and she does that super cute. But like, wh why would we go for something boring? Like they have mango trees, boring. they have it's lemon like trees, cedar. they have blueberry bushes. You're right. But they also have like cedars. We could get like... those anywhere. No, we could go to not, Home Depot. They're and not the those. same. They take a while to grow. These ones are fast growing trees. You, you put them in and let's be honest, there's no better fence than a cedar. That's the way I see it. It's privacy. It's way more aesthetic than a fence. It's like, we'll this get is, those. We can get those wherever. The they have like lychee trees and long and like we, okay. <laughs> it's not happening. Anyway. We're getting the cedars. That's all. There's a better way to buy trees and shrubs and plants for your home and yard. That is fastgrowingtrees.com. Fall is planting season. Don't let anyone tell you different. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Now through November 15th, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Lauren for 10% off. That's 10% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Lauren. Again, that is fastgrowingtrees.com slash Lauren. All right. So we have this from Pink News, which is, I don't know, at least my go-to news source for LGBT matters. So this bisexual teacher was apparently banned from flying the pride flag in her classroom for the past five years jennifer 
Leia, maybe, has been teaching 7th and 8th grade in the Washoe County School District as the only open LGBT plus teacher in her school. She'd always kept a pride flag in her classroom until she was told it had to go because it could be seen as supporting a single political party, but that didn't sit right with her. The issue that I have with it is I don't think my existence and my identity is a political issue, she told BuzzFeed. I think that being able to have a rainbow flag is as much a part of my identity as anything else. Do you agree with that? Well, just interesting coming from the side that I, that thinks that everything is politics. Right. So yeah. I don't know. It just seems like there's going to be a bit of cognitive dissonance. But we know that they're very, very utilitarian, these people. They will they will hold right-wingers. Implement right a double to, standard. Yeah, yeah, double standards is like their currency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that opinion. I suspect that lots of people would back that up on the left, but then also say you can do no action that isn't political. Right. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I personally disagree that the rainbow flag just kind of represents being bisexual or gay or anything like that, because it is political, right? It's something that mm-hmm. LGBT activists specifically use. And I, I don't think you can ignore that fact. And like yeah. everything has become so politicized nowadays. I think there are people out there who just for convenience sake say, no, the rainbow flag isn't political. What are you talking about? The article continues though, as well as being a big part of who she is as a bisexual person, the pride flag also signals her support for students who are out, who are out or questioning their identities. Fortunately, the clever teacher found a loophole, although the policy doesn't allow her to display the pride flag in her classroom or on any visual teaching aids, there's no rule about the rainbow itself. She has plastered her classroom with rainbow posters, stickers, feathers, duct tape, literally anything rainbow colored she could find. And if the school board complains, uh, Ms. Leas says she just really likes rainbows. Rainbows aren't political, not at all. Rainbows are just colorful and fun, she said in a TikTok video as she proudly showed off her colorful classroom. Yeah, you might also, you, like like me, when I read that the first time, I didn't think too much of it. I was like, maybe she's being somewhat honest. But of yeah. course, this video of her on TikTok will alleviate those concerns. You'll see the slash S that's supposed to be at the back of all those sentences for yeah. sarcasm. Uh, but here it is. So I found out that I'm not allowed to tell students that I'm gay uh, because it could be seen as supporting a single political party and it could be seen as a political issue. So if anybody asks, I just really like rainbows. Like, I just really like rainbows. Like, I really like rainbows. No politics in Miss Leia's classroom. She just really likes rainbows. Rainbow duct tape? That's just because I really like rainbows. Rainbows aren't political. Not at all. Rainbows are just colorful and fun. It's not a political thing at all. It's just that I really like rainbows. Yeah, so I think you could tell here that... Uh, I mean, that, she's doing this on purpose. That she wants her right, it is, classroom to be a, a gay space. Right, and it's as political as it gets. She's she's essentially saying it sarcastically, that mm-hmm. it is political, and uh, that she does support whatever party that they're insinuating she supports. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, I think it's, I I think that it's just not honest. Right. And as kind of like a, uh, a counter to this, if, if this really was just, oh, we don't want you to be by in classroom. I don't think that's it because I don't think people would have a problem if she had just a photo of her partner. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that that's not that's not a political thing, right? That's just, this is, you know, my girlfriend or whatever. I think that's different than having a rainbow flag. Yeah, Yeah. it's not political unless you have that left wing ideology that we talked about earlier, where, of course, you know, if I have a picture of Lauren up, maybe there's some kind of like uh, uh, some kind of sign of misogyny, maybe, or that I've 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 colonizing China or what. (laughs) I I don't know what it is, but you could imagine it would be political for other people. But in when it's the other when the tables are turned, it's uh, it's just fine. Right. 
All right, so let's talk about Brianna Taylor. And this is a case that's been going on, obviously, for a while. Uh, I think March 13th is is when the shooting actually happened. And it's it's something that I recently discovered. Well, not too recently, but I had actually bought into a lot of the the things the media was saying, which I later found out were lies. You know, things like that it was, uh, they had gone to the wrong house, she was shot in bed, they didn't knock. These are all kind of narratives that are being pushed by Black Lives Matter activists, but it's just, it's not the case. Yeah, I mean, it sounded initially like a case of a legitimate grievance. Right. Um, you know, a, a legitimate case of police uh, overstepping their boundaries. And um it was a cause for concern. Like, I didn't look too far into it myself um, up until recently. And um, that's when you have these two conflicting narratives coming into play, which, um, you know, the left going with what you just said, that the police basically just shot into her house while she was sleeping. Yeah, just broke into her apartment. No yeah. reason whatsoever. Um, versus something a little bit more nuanced. Right. And we actually have an article from the New York Times, which, as you were saying before, like New York Times is left leaning, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to pick something that is, um, and, and to their credit, this wasn't a bad article. Like, you know, you could definitely see, and we didn't include the whole article in the insert, but that there are, they're also trying to make the case that um, there's two sides to the story almost. Mm -hmm. But um, there was just a court decision that happened as a result of this case where the officers were found not guilty of um, any sort of murder charges. Right. One of them did get indicted for, uh, I think, like reckless endangerment or something right. like that. But yeah, they for the for the most part, I've been cleared. I'm not even sure if the, the, the officer who was indicted will even end up serving prison time for that sentence because yeah, he's going to he's going to plead not guilty yeah. as of Thursday. That's the latest news. This article from The New York Times says that shortly after midnight on March 13th, Louisville police officers executing a search warrant used a battering ram to enter the apartment of Miss Taylor, a 26 year old emergency room technician. The police had been investigating two men who they believed were selling drugs out of a house that was far from Miss Taylor's home. But a judge had also signed a warrant allowing the police to search Miss Taylor's residence because the police said they believed that one of the men had used her apartment to receive packages. Miss Taylor had been dating that man on and off for several years, but had recently severed ties with him, according to her family's lawyer. Miss Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, had been in bed, but got up when they heard a loud banging at the door. So the idea that they didn't knock or anything like that. That is not true. They mm. knocked, they announced themselves. And both sides admit that there were knocking. Mr. Walker said he and Miss Taylor both called out asking who was at the door. Mr. Walker later told the police he feared it was Miss Taylor's ex-boyfriend trying to break in. After the police broke the door off its hinges, Mr. Walker fired his gun once, striking Sergeant Mattingly in a thigh. So he fired first. The boyfriend fired first. Right. Yeah. Yep. The police responded by firing several shots, striking Miss Taylor five times. One of the three officers on the scene, Detective Brett Hankison, who has since been fired, shot 10 rounds blindly into the apartment. I think that is the officer who ended up getting some charges. That's right. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously a very... You, know, you could still have disagreements over how this was done yeah. but it's a very different story than i think what's been circulating around mm. on the media and we just saw that at the emmys so many celebrities uh were doing things like having brianna taylor on her shirts sh on their shorts on their shirts or yeah. mentioning her in their speeches and i don't think they know the full story i don't think it matters right yeah. this isn't about that there's always been a narrative it won't change and it hasn't changed even since um the uh what do they call the da mm -hmm. decided that they wouldn't press these charges i mean right it sounds um 
you know, it sounds like a tragic situation, and it is a tragic situation. Actually, the fact that she died is right. very sad. It, it was very much she was caught in some crossfire to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the initial guy who opened fire, he may have not even been in the wrong in that case if he didn't hear, as he claims, he didn't hear them announce that they were police. He just right. heard knocking. That's where the disagreement comes in. But they're not charging him for shooting at the police. That's another right. thing. Um, but the police did have the right to respond with force when being shot at. Right. So it sounds like a really messy situation. But in the end, uh, it doesn't seem like it's a, an instance of police going out of their way, uh, to racially motivated person, yeah. sort of black person, you know, uh, just sounds like a tragic situation where maybe Miss Taylor had made some bad choices like dating potentially a drug dealer in the past, but mm-hmm. obviously does not deserve Dang. something like this to happen to her. And it is it is a sad thing. Right. Of course, it's a sad thing. And I think, you know, when we're talking about things like searching for drugs and warrants and things like that. Uh, it's very easy to criticize the situation, and obviously it didn't it didn't go well. People died who didn't need to, but it, it's hard to I think imagine a perfect scenario. Like how should this have been done then, right? Yeah. I mean, if if people don't answer and you're trying to serve them a warrant, do you just keep knocking? You know, potentially mm-hmm. allowing them time to hide evidence, maybe flee the scene, whatever it may be. Like I don't know. There's not a perfect answer to this. The New York Times also writes though, while the department had received court approval for a no knock entry, the orders were changed before the raid to knock and announce, meaning that the police had to identify themselves. The officers have said they did announce themselves, but Mr. Walker said he did not hear anything. And you know, to be fair, that is possible, right? I mean, if if you're in the apartment, there's the door, and then you're in your bedroom, it's the middle of the night, or you may not hear it. You might just hear the banging and then freak out. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe he even did hear the word police and thought it was the ex-boyfriend anyways. Yeah, uh, that's true. So there's, I don't know, it's a messy situation. And this is almost, unless we have body cam footage, which I'm not aware of. Then, I, I don't think there is. Then it's a, it's a he shed, uh-oh. This is, this is where we have the problem. Yeah. Uh, he said, she said situation. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, I'm going to side with the officers in this situation. There's more of them. And they seem to have done everything right just by even knocking. And theoretically, they may have even had the ability to do no knock. Right. And I, Aside from the the one who is firing blindly into the apartment, that is, yeah. you should never fire blindly anywhere. It also says Jamarcus Glover, Miss Taylor's ex-boyfriend, whose alleged packages led the police to her door that night, was arrested on August 27th in possession of drugs. According to a charging document, he told the Courier Journal that Miss Taylor had no involvement in the drug trade. It also says Miss Taylor received no medical attention for more than 20 minutes after she was struck. The Courier Journal reported, citing dispatch logs, Jefferson County Coroner told the Courier Journal that Miss Taylor most likely died less than a minute after she was shot and could not have been saved. Um, so at least it doesn't seem like after things were settled, there was negligence necessarily if she died so quickly, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that would have been called into question other accusations of wrongdoing. But here we have a video of the attorney general kind of talking people through why there were no serious charges uh, put against the officers. While there are six possible homicide charges under Kentucky law, these charges are not applicable to the facts before us because our investigation showed and the grand jury agreed that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in their return of deadly fire after having been fired upon by Kenneth Walker. This justification bars us from pursuing criminal charges in Miss Brianna Taylor's death. The truth is now before us. The facts have been examined and a grand jury comprised of our peers and fellow citizens 
has made a decision. Justice is not often easy, does not fit the mold of public opinion, and it does not conform to shifting standards. It answers only to the facts and to the law. So as you can probably imagine, people, specifically Black Lives Matter supporters, were not happy about this at all. Breonna Taylor, especially of all the people who, um, you know, they kind of use as symbols of systemic racism in police forces she's one of the the more popular ones yeah yeah and uh, it's 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 interesting and actually commendable i think that the grand jury was able to see this they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't kind of look beyond the scope of the evidence before them in my opinion and say well if we don't indict these guys we're going to have riots right and uh, they didn't take that kind of utilitarian perspective they they made the, the decision uh with those people in mind as ends uh, and uh, and to me, based on what I what we've heard, it sounds like the right decision. I'm very curious as to what the result will be uh, with regards to the George, George Floyd case, mm-hmm. where the more details that we get, um, it's there's less and less supporting evidence that it was uh, kind of the intentional killing of George Floyd. Well, at least first-degree murder. First-degree murder. First-degree murder is going to be very hard to make stick. I think think it's going to be impossible to make stick. Well, it ought to be. If if the jury, you know, behaves in the same way as as they kind of are obligated to or or ought to be. Um, And... And then you have this, this situation on hand, which is, I mean, if you think the Breonna Taylor stuff is bad. The George Floyd thing. The George Floyd stuff yeah. is going to be uh, presume, presumably so much worse if it does go the way that I'm expecting it will go. No, for sure. And actually, when um, this verdict was announced, the National Guard were deployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see footage of Louisville, Kentucky, I mean, stores are boarded up. It looks like a third world country. Um, there were huge riots. And we're actually going to be talking about the unfortunate shooting of two officers in those riots. First, though, let's talk about Car Shield. So seeing the check engine light turn on can give anyone anxiety, especially if you're like me and you don't you don't know cars, like how how they work. I don't know. I That's why I don't trust mechanics because I feel like they can trick me. Uh, but now if you have CarShield, you don't need to worry about stuff like that anymore. CarShield offers a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, which means that check engine light is a lot less scary when it comes on. You have the freedom to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield gets the rest taken care of. Even if your car breaks down while you're traveling, the choice of repair shop is still up to you. On top of that, there's no long-term contracts or commitments. Payments are flexible and CarShield plans are customizable to your exact needs. CarShield has helped over 1 million drivers and that's why they're America's number one auto protection company. So if any of you dread car repairs, go to CarShield so you can have peace of mind, get coverage today and see why CarShield cars go further. Call 800-665-2157 and mention the code Lauren or visit carshield.com and use the code Lauren to save 10%. That's Car- CarShield.com with the code Lauren, a deductible may apply. All right. So here we have this from Fox News about the Breonna Taylor protests. I think it's fair to call them a riot. And actually, there's been a ton of media hypocrisy over how this stuff has been reported. I know eventually, initially media outlets were saying, well, there've been two officers shot, but we we don't know if it was actually connected to the peaceful protests. It's like, yeah. Come on, guys. That's uh, that's how they've always been, though. You know, they keep saying 93% have been peaceful. 
It's like, well, that's not, first of all, that's not a number to brag about if you think about it. Yeah, and also the number is questionable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Fox reports, the suspect accused of shooting two Louisville police officers during Breonna Taylor's demonstrations Wednesday night faces assault and wanton endangerment charges, authorities revealed Thursday, as they announced one officer was released from the hospital and the second is out of surgery and expected to recover. Thank goodness. Lorenzo Johnson, 26, was charged with two counts of assault in the first degree and 14 counts of wanton endangerment in connection with the shooting of police officers. Louisville Metro Interim Police Chief Robert Schroeder said at a press conference Thursday, the investigation is ongoing. He expected to be arraigned Friday. We, I don't think we can be necessarily surprised when after being told that the police are out to get you, they are going to break into your homes and just shoot you in bed, that there are some people. And that there's no legal repercussion. For uh, yeah. And they can just do it with, you know, without a care in the world, I don't think we can be shocked when some people start to see just police in general as a threat to their safety. Yeah. That's what they're being told. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, you know, it's so sad to see this happen. And it, it, it's exactly what you would expect, given all the situations that, that are happening here. It's, it's, it's really one of the hardest things to do, I think, to be a cop in America right now. Right. I can't imagine how hard that would be, particularly in a place like Portland, for example. That's like yeah. you have to be dedicated. Um, but even here, uh, you'll find out that one cop that was shot was black, one was white. It's like it doesn't seem to matter. It's now an us against them, police against, I mean, in their mind, it's police against, I guess, uh, black, bra people. black and brown people. But yeah. of course, it's really just the population against the police in a lot of cases. And it's, it's sad because you know that most of these police are good men and women who dedicate their lives to uh, protecting that exact population. Right. And it's just, they, they're so unable to see that. Because I'm not going to say that every police officer out there is amazing. I no. don't know them. Of course, there are bad apples. But these people are collectivists. And they are unable to, yeah. like, recognize individuals for what they are or to understand that just because one person does something that doesn't represent the entirety of, of, of the job. And actually, I, I tweeted something about, like, military like service members veterans the other day mm -hmm. and i had a, a bunch of people saying you know war criminals uh just calling vets these terrible things you know kind of accusing them of like those uh photos that went viral in guantanamo bay like yeah. it's, and it's like you you are such a detriment to society at this point. It's like anyone who's trying to help you, you, you kind of spit at, right? The police, uh, military members. And it's yeah. like, have you no, like, are you not grateful for anything? I mean, you hate capitalism. You hate your country. And it's just yeah. the division that they're causing. It's it's tragic. And, and, and America is the hardest place to be a, a police officer, yeah. I, I believe, anyways, because of just the widespread nature of, of like just the Second Amendment. It, it does have that. I've, I've talked about this before, but people having more guns means a police officer has to be a lot more careful, a lot more, a lot more ready at all times. Yeah, it, it, you don't it know is, what someone's It is the truth, do. and the death stats for police officers reflect that. A lot more cops die in America than, in, than elsewhere mm -hmm. in the developed world. So it's really sad to see that. Also, one thing I, I noticed here, and again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm, so I, I won't go too deep on this, but the charges with that this gentleman, um, Lorenzo Johnson is the shooter in question, the suspected shooter, I guess, is being charged with, he's not even getting attempted murder, right? right. Like he's getting uh, reckless endangerment again. Uh, and I don't, I'm not familiar with Assault Kentucky as law. well. Assault, but it's like, it seems to me if you're firing a gun at somebody, right. 
uh, I would assume that under most legal codes, that would go as attempted murder if they if they survive. I, I would have thought so as well, especially if, it, you know, it's so bad, you, you actually have to go get surgery and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, but, but I do want to say that there's not going to be a public outcry mm-hmm. for the lack of that charge, presuming that, that I'm correct about the case, that this anyways. Yeah. Because people care less about, you know, these two police officers that were shot or at least uh, Black Lives Matter in right. this case, even though one of them, as we mentioned, was black. Schroeder said police made 127 protest-related arrests across the city. I mean, it's not it's not a protest if you have to arrest mm. 127 people, right? Including in the Highland and downtown overnight amid the demonstrations following the grand jury decision to charge only one officer in connection to the police operation that killed Taylor, but not her death. There are also at least 16 instances of looting across the city. Looting for justice. Gotta love it. Shots rang out when Louisville police officers were conducting crowd control operations at Broadway and Brook Street in response to a large crowd that had set fire fires, caused property damage, and failed to disperse after being warned, according to the post-arrest complaint. Um, You're destroying your own cities if you take part in these riots. It really is just the most counterproductive thing. Uh, This is not how you bring about justice. And you know what? It it really bothers me that these people are more ready and more willing to go out and burn and loot than they are to just sit down and learn the facts of the case. Like, really? Really? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it drives me crazy. You know, a lot of people have asked with all these riots, why doesn't the federal government do more? I don't think they understand that Trump is not king and he can't just send in federal agents, especially against the wish, against the wishes of Yeah, governors. I think that's literally unconstitutional. Yeah. So, I, I mean, again, I do say I think, but I'm, I'm 99% sure that you can't, as a federal government, send in federal troops to a state without the governor yeah. uh, asking for them. And in this case, I do think that um, the authorities that be in Kentucky, at least, have been far more amenable than places like Oregon. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Or at least Portland in particular, where, you know, they, 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 the, the police had to handle that on their own for a very, very long time. And, uh, and I, I think it really helps to have, you know, the National Guard on the ground with, like, pretty heavy-duty equipment because it really, it really does... Um, put a little bit of fear in the hearts of would-be rioters. Yeah, and I've seen people complaining about the militarization of police, and it's like, if you don't want police decked out with Kevlar vests, stop shooting at them. I don't know what else to say to that. Like, if you don't want them with these big helmets, stop trying to blind them with lasers, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, cops have the right to defend themselves, too. And just seeing all of these protests still continuing, it just really, I think, should be driving home to the point to everybody to get out of the cities, as Tim Pool says, right? Like, if you're in one of these places, just leave. Um, You know, you don't have to put up with that. There are places where there aren't riots, where people don't burn your stuff down and loot your stores. Go to those places. And you know what? If you don't want the the police to have to militarize as well, maybe don't militarize yourself. You know, we were seeing there was a viral kind of clip going around of like a U-Haul truck uh, being decked out by Antifa, basically. They they were pointing people towards this U-Haul truck that they had rented that was full of riot gear and big signs and what have you. But they were preparing for a riot if the Breonna Taylor decision didn't go the way that they wanted. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't want the police to organize, maybe don't do the same. You know, we know what you're doing here and you're forcing the hand. Yeah. No, for sure. So I think that's pretty much all we have to say for now, but we'll probably be back next week with some sort of riot update because it, it seems like it's every day. There's a new one happening. Yeah. Uh, but for now, hope you enjoy the rest of your week and thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.